fairly true because <laughs> you know i guess the flame ain't ever done hey good afternoon this is randy with the renegades on dirt podcast and i'm on the phone with kaylee as he's uh helping us practice this social distancing but we're oh gonna- yeah we're getting good at it <laughs> well you know they say practice makes perfect that's right that's right that's personal distancing i heard now it's uh social distancing is a there's a term of the past well, I don't know about that, but I heard that they were they were changing that. Maybe it'll make it more exciting. So well, whatever. <laughs> potato, 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 potato. Yeah, potato, potato, potaliticians. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. A bunch That's, of darn uh, dictators. Uh, yeah, don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah, well, so. what, this is kind of like uh, going to the bar. You know, talk about politics, religion, or her. <laughs> right yep no it's uh everybody's got their own opinion and uh i honestly mine changes by the day so i'm by the hour sometimes but uh but hey we're not here to talk about politics right no actually this is going to be uh a little quick recap and then we're going to slide right into part two of the renegade university yeah yeah um and paul schultz will be joining us for real soon um, Hopefully, calling, calling in. Well, that's the plan, you know. And you know how well executed the plans are lately. So, <laughs> so uh, I have I have full confidence in our little buddy. But uh, but yeah, um, the one thing I wanted to mention or discuss just a little tiny bit, since it's uh, it's pretty relevant uh, for what's happening right now, um, or because it's happening right now. But uh, I wanted to mention um, uh, the. Uh, the racing series, the, uh, the I racing, um, I think it's, I think it's the fast line, fast lane. I should, should probably know what it's called, I guess, but, uh, it's, uh, it's renegade, uh, renegade brand, UMSS, Northern renegade, Western renegade, uh, Shemago on again. <laughs> Can you say that? <laughs> I, there you go. By the end of 2020, I am going to be able to say that. Don't, don't, um, don't, don't put money on that. <laughs> so, you will but, lose. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, well, I've got, got to have goals, right? So, well, you but, know. uh, but yeah, yeah so, it, um, it's the iRacing Fast Series. Thank you. There you go. I Fast Racing Series. I, I Racing Fast Series. I Racing Fast Series. I Racing Fast Series. Now it sounds like a toddler saying it. Right? Well, you know what? Say it, say it like five times, and then it'll set in, you know? Uh, yeah, well, the Shawam again did not, after saying it many more than five times. So. Shawam again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great series. Not gonna, not a good name for me to be able to, to say. So, but no, that our, series had forty cars show up to its opening night. The i racing series, yeah, i racing series, yes. And um, so, so just a real brief 
you know, history on it. Um, uh, Carter Chevalier, um, who is one of the uh, wing sprint car members, um, his dad is uh, Mark Chevalier and uh, is, is a very smart individual, wonderful family. And um, they own uh, P1 Performance. P1 Performance, yep. Yep, and you'll be seeing a lot of uh, P1 Performance ads and, and whatnot on the OMSS and Northern Renegade stuff. So uh, good, real good people. Um but they, uh, um, Carter is into this iRacing thing, and I've, to be honest, I've known of it. I think I think we all know about it, um, but I've avoided it because it looks like it's really addicting. Um, and for me, it, you know, if I could race every night of the week, you know, multiple times, or it'd be like a drunk owner in a bar, right? So, so I figured if I want to be a family man, I'd probably better stay away from it. But uh, um, in light of all of the uh, current events, you know, it's the only thing that's racing, and um, you know. We had talked to them, you know, when we started uh, our conference calls with all the series, uh, you know, basically right after racing season. Um, one of the first things that, that they brought to us was, hey, we want to we want to start, you know, an iRacing series, a Renegade brand iRacing series. And uh, we love it and we want to move forward and we actually are hoping someday to combine it um, with the school, which is kind of why it's kind of relevant today, um, is that, you know, we hope to incorporate some of the some of the racetracks that are similar to where we race and you know some of the new people and and uh, hopefully have generated enough money to have uh, a couple i don't know if you call them simulators or at least the equipment to do it um but you know be able to kind of stand over a guy's shoulder and and help him out and get just get some on-track experience so um but but carter uh, reached out to us or maybe ron reached out to him i guess i don't know the order but um because um, you know, everything is just stalled and there's really, um, we're busy, you know, still gathering things and, and getting ready for the season. But, um, you know, we, we don't know at this point, uh, when that's going to start. So, um, we decided, or, or Carter decided they wanted to fast track this. And so him and, uh, Sammy Mars, um, a name you, Jimmy, model fans probably, yeah, Jimmy's, Jimmy's kid. And, um, they, uh, they, they got this thing together for us and, uh, um, got it off the ground and, and what we were originally going to do was say, you know, the top three, um, the, in the series after, you know, so many nights, uh, we were going to give them some on track time, you know, at arrive and drive or whatever. And, and, uh, as they were forming things up and talking to some of the I racers and, and people that were interested, um, you know, Carter came back to us and said, Hey, um, is there any way that we could get somebody in a sprint car for a real night of racing? And, uh, you know, I, I thought about it and I have some, some background with some online racers getting into race cars before that I won't bore, bore you with. But, uh, <laughs> my experience has been that they're pretty, they're, they're really pretty ready to go. I mean, it's just kind of an environmental change. Um, but they, they have the skill set already, you know? And, uh, so he said, yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. Let's, uh, let's put that up for grabs. And so, so the winner of the, of the, uh, high fast race, I race fast. Uh, <laughs> I, I racing fast series. Okay. Yeah. Yep. The winner of that, uh, renegade, uh, I don't, I honestly, you know, I've been so hands off with this other than just monitoring it from a distance. Um, you know, I believe the next race is next Friday. Um, we were able to get it. So they're, they're live on Facebook. Um, I watched the one last night. Um, and it was pretty fun. I've never, Again, I you know I haven't paid any attention to the i race and stuff, um, and the people have been you know watching these races and stuff, and that's just been kind of eh. 
whatever, you know, that's, that's cool. At least there's something to do, but, uh, but man, it was, it was some good racing. Did you watch it, Randy? Yeah. I watched the replay. I, I cheated okay. so that I could fast forward through the stuff I didn't like. Yep. yep. <laughs> and I but, bet you uh, didn't fast forward a lot though, did you? I mean, not, was... not really. Um, I, I got a little, uh, annoyed with the guy that announces it, but, um, it, uh, I can't give him too much of a hard time because it's a really new series and he's dealing with a whole lot of names he's never dealt with. Right. Yeah. You know? right. <laughs> um, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm actually working on an email to send to him to, to give him some background information on some of the drivers that oh, I know of because, uh, Blake Anderson, Jack Berger, uh, yep. Shane Hawkinson was on there. I know Shane's been looking to get a car and he was in and racing last night or not last night, earlier in the week. Um, you know, we all know Blake. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jack Berger, the rookie of the year this year. Um, you know, there were like seven or eight of our guys in there. Yeah. I don't yeah. Re- I don't remember all the names off the top of the head, but there were guys from Pennsylvania uh, and Chris Ohio. Yeah. yeah. Chris Vogel was out there. Yep. And did pretty decent. You know, uh, Carter was there, of course. Yep. And he was doing well. He made the feature and ran inside the top 10. Right. You know, um, I was, yeah, I was, I, I was just surprised at how racy and how the track changed. And, um, you know, they had some cautions and they hit lap traffic and, and you could um, watch the cars go away from people and yeah. Yeah. And, uh, guys, they were, guys throwing sliders and missing and guys throwing oh, sliders was, yeah. and, and nailing them. And then trading right. them back in the next corner and right, right. Hold know. on, one. Thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna patch Paul. And he's calling me right now. Well, so you go ahead and try doing that. <laughs> there you go. I don't I don't know if he's there or not. <laughs> but you know, um, with three and four wide racing that was on there last night uh, on that, um, it was actually a lot of fun to watch. Fun to watch. In in some respects, it was probably a lot more fun to watch than. <laughs> some of the actual races I've been to. Great. Well, we got we got Paul on the line now, and Paul, we were just quickly discussing uh, the iRacing series and oh, uh, and the race that was held last night. Did you get a chance to watch any of it? I did. Yep. Are we on the air, or are we yeah. just chatting? No, no, we are. On we, the are air. we are. We are chatting okay. on the air. We're, we're as live as podcast gets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I um. Well, a couple couple local boys, uh, two of the Hawkinson guys that are kind of uh, a little bit on the fence about uh, possibly getting into a real sprint car actually ran the, the race last night. Neither one of them made the feature, but I have no idea the ins and outs of all that. But it, it was kind of interesting. Yeah, I yeah. was uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Like I said, I actually was, well, let me say that, I was actually really entertained. I, I turned it on. And I was going to check in, you know, Ron and I both said, yeah, we'll watch a couple laps, you know, it's, it's a fun deal. But, uh, man, I was, I was kind of glued to it actually. And, uh, it was, it was neat. And I guess the, the coolest part for me was at the end when they're doing the interviews, you know, they're, they're all conscious of, uh, and, and they all, they all know that there's a, there's a night in a sprint car at stake and, and they want it. You know, I wasn't sure, um, you know, I think it's a cool prize, and I think, uh, you know, Carter and Sammy thought it was a good prize. And I actually told Sammy that uh, that uh, 
he needed to go back to his old man and say that uh, we need to get a get a lay model ride going too for somebody <laughs> here, right? Get a get a night in the old Jimmy Mars ride. But uh, Sammy laughed and said you would tell his dad. But uh, but yeah, um, I, I I think it's a really cool way to pass the time. Um, there's uh, I believe there's uh, four more races left. Three. Um, through well, there's three more races. Um, where everybody's invited. And then I believe they're doing a final at Knoxville with the top 10 in points. So you might go into the last night leading um, the uh, the points, but uh, the final night determines pretty much everything. So they're going to line them guys up, and they're going to go at it for, you know, 25 laps or whatever. Well, that would uh, be a format change from what I heard. But <laughs> Okay, well, I, I could be wrong. That was the last thing that we had discussed. But uh, but I know that one of them said last night that, uh, you know, one of, I think the third-place guy, um, and I apologize, I don't don't have their names in front of me right now. But uh, but he uh, he had mentioned, you know, just wanting to stay consistent, running the top ten, and just make it to that final night and where he had a chance. And so maybe, uh, you know, depending on on what they ended up doing with the format. Uh, um, but no matter what, it's uh, it's a really cool deal. I encourage everybody to check it out. Um, you know, hop in, hop in or on, and and you know, give it a go, and uh, and learn a little bit about it. So uh, they're wing. These are wing cars. Yeah. Um, and uh, we uh, we did that just because uh, the the wing car is a little more popular and they have a little more experience, um, experienced racers and whatever. So um, we're we're hoping though the series um, will become you know more of an annual thing, uh, maybe summer and winter, and uh, um, you know they'll be wing and wingless and it'll all be renegade branded stuff. So uh, so it, it's fun though. I mean for what's not going on right now because of uh, all the craziness. Um, it's a really cool thing and, um, it's encouraging to see guys, you know, really, really trying hard, um, and, and wanting to, uh, wanting to get a night in a sprint car, you know? So, so I just wanted to bring that up and, uh, make sure everyone's aware to, uh, look out for it, look at any of the Renegade pages. Um, they'll be sharing, sharing the information where to watch it and whatever. And, uh, um, Randy's apparently going to light up the, uh, the announcer there. <laughs> tell, tell him what, I guess well, Ron and I are supposed to get interviewed on the on the last night to kind of give people more of a idea of the Renegade brand and what it's about and whatever. But uh, during but yeah. and I raise, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it be during or before or after or what, but uh, but pretty fun <laughs> stuff. I mean, it's uh, certainly made made an hour of my night last night a little less miserable. And, and, uh, yeah, you know, get to see some fake dust anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and some mud clumpers getting chucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, uh, well, it was, I mean, and some of the views, I guess, are, you know, watching them, you know, from the outside and the inside. And they did a couple onboard deals, you know, guys. I know my son is just, he is over the top hook, you know, he is ready to, uh, ready to, to sign up and you know spend his life eye racing now. So, but, uh, <laughs> well, but yeah, let, let's see here. Uh, third place was Michael Sheridan. Um, Second place was uh, Bryce Bailey, and then uh, Braden Eiler is, was the winner yes, last Braden. last night. Yes, and, yeah, and what a just a, I mean, really a hell of a battle um, for between those guys up front the whole race. I mean, they were for yeah four or five laps they were trading sliders, and and uh, it's it's remarkable because I mean, obviously there's just not the same consequences really, you know, you're, you're not going to get hurt if, if something happens, but um, they're, they raced, you know, very mindful of each other. I, you know, just watching that, that skill level, 
you know, I'm not, I'm not concerned at all about the, whoever wins this deal and uh, giving them, giving them some time in a car. It's going to be fun. So, right. yeah, I was just, so, uh, I just jumped back on and was trying to see where Carter actually finished. Uh, I got the video up here and I'm kind of scrolling through it. Um, just to kind of see where. Oh, and Ron, Ron talked with Carter a little bit last night after it was over and he said it was really well received. And, uh, you know, I know at one point I saw there's like 140 some viewers or whatever watching at one point in the evening there. So, yeah. you know, this, it's, uh, it might be the only race we get for a little while. So try and enjoy it, I guess. So, well, yeah. Three, three more weeks for sure. You and know, there, uh, there's this Zach Wittes. I think he's from Duluth. That's uh, yeah, I, I think so. And I was I was wondering that myself if that was uh, a relation to Josh Wittes from Wittes Trailer Sales, who who has been around the racing scene, you know, sponsoring yeah. cars and whatnot for a long time. I was yes. curious if that was a relation. I I believe it is. I I believe it's uh, might be his boy or uh, yeah, like kid or brother or cousin or something like that, but. Uh, he finished 13th and Carter finished, uh, right behind him. Well, a little bit farther behind him and 15th. Okay. You know, uh, that's why I was kind of looking through here, trying to see where our guys finished. Yeah. And yeah, well, it's a, it looks like it's a whole different world. And I know from listening to a handful of other podcasts, you know, it's about the only race and there's to talk about, obviously. So, um, right. I've heard it, heard it brought up several other places and, and real racers that are, in fact, I just was listening to Rip Defense, which is a wingless, wingless podcast uh, for the USAC. And, uh, they had, um, Logan, oh, don't remember. It starts with an S. Um, but anyway, he uh, he's taken over. You got Brandon Shepard got kicked out of the iRacing uh, uh, Rocket House car ride for the next uh, late model <laughs> iRacing race because he's not good enough. And so the, the Logan Logan dude, that's a sprint car racer, gets uh, he got he got called in by Mark Richards to uh, to take over the house car Valvoline uh, house car ride. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's, oh, that's cool. Crazy. Yeah, a little change in uh, well, and, you know, and they're racing for money, you know, so uh, so that's kind of kind of cool, but uh, but yeah, um, and you know, this deal is a points deal, and of course we are uh, you know against points, but uh, we after a long discussion we decided that this was that would be the best way to uh, to uh, find out who who was deserving of it the most, and uh, and there's no Carter assured us that you can't. You know, it's not like you can buy virtual tires or anything. You know, you can't spend any extra money. Everybody, you know, just pays their membership fee or whatever to the iRacing deal, and they get to race. You know, there's yeah. no, there, there's no, you know, extra charge for them to race the Renegade Series or to go for this particular prize or anything like that. So, right, it's uh, and it, and know, right now it's only like eleven ninety nine a month for the iRacing. Yeah, it's, yeah and, aside from the equipment that you need, which really, I mean, you can get I think fairly affordably if you want, or you can get like, you know, like. Denny Hamlin has, and it's probably more than everything I own. Well, even <laughs> even, even if you go to the iRacing website, yeah, and you you look through there, there's a couple of drop downs. Uh, it, it'll it'll tell you what equipment works best, and they've actually got links on where to buy the stuff and oh, well. background information on it, all right on the iRacing page. Huh. And you can buy a a fairly inexpensive. Uh, 
force feedback wheel and pedal set for about 150 bucks. And they I'm going to continue to believe that it's really expensive and that I'm, I I can't afford it. Yeah, you ain't got 150 bucks to spend on it right now, anyway. <laughs> so you're, you're right about that. You're, you're right about that. So, so, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's I I don't. I don't have my notes in front of me, boys. Do you? Uh, do either of you have it pulled up right now, or should I yeah. go uh, grab them? What What are you doing? What am I doing? Yeah, uh, I'm wandering around outside, watching my kids uh, kick a soccer ball around. I just I went and walked up to the house to go in. The little dog started barking, so so I didn't want to interrupt the. Uh, this very fancy podcast with uh, a small dose of reality at my house here so one of you keeps moving around and scraping your phone across something and it's annoying as (laughs) (laughs) it's character my friend and i don't know what it is well there's enough characters on this show already (laughs) (laughs) well we're renegade uh basic one class number two what uh where did we leave off, boys? I believe it was. Uh, I think. Getting, what is a win? The, what? Oh, we we play. We didn't make it very far, did we? <laughs> <laughs> Where did we go beyond that one, Randy? Uh, we we kind of started to get into um, a little bit on how to fit the car, but not a great deal. Right. Okay. And, I mean, so, I, I, you know, we we talked about. You know, we did our introductions and what is a win and how to judge your accomplishments, how to interact with fans, Um, you know, and this isn't saying that we're doing this as as a steadfast. These are the way you do this. It's just guidelines from things that the three of us have learned over the years. (laughs) Well, the two of you have learned over the years. I've just kind of ignored. (laughs) (laughs) I was conscious of them at some point. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I know they're there, but, you know, sometimes... Yep. I'm not real good yep. with rules. Well, it bears it bears repeating just real quick. Um, you know, again, I think the the most important thing that we want to take away from all these um, before we can start the real classes and show you a chalkboard and and uh, get you in a race car, um, the biggest thing is you got to come in with the right attitude and you got to understand that uh, you know we're here to have a great time. You know, this should be an enhancement to your life and a, a good outlet for stress relief. And, you know, when you leave the racetrack every night, you should be happier than, than when you got there. Um, and if that's not the case, then then you probably want to look somewhere else, you know. Right. So, uh, you know, it's... Uh, well, and, and, and we definitely want to portray because the competition is real, but we we want to get the message across that we can all be competitive, but not at the expense of our friendships and our pocketbooks right so right that that's where it rolls into the attitude and we're kind of all in this together but yeah everybody is it's a it's a legit deal we're not out there just turning laps either no no and that's a that's a great point uh it's it's the most competitive um it's as hard as i've raced anything ever but you know honestly i think what what makes it part of the part of the biggest difference of it is that you know when i lose i lost because of me um you know i didn't lose because you know paul had a better had a better car had fancier shocks or 
um, you know, it's it's because he was he was better than me that night. You know, he made a made good choices. I mean, there was a couple times last year where where I led the most laps, and uh, and I think in a couple of cases I actually took the white flag in the lead. And I know one of them nights I ended up third, and I was pretty frustrated. When I got back to the pits, but you know, I was frustrated with me. You know, and it had nothing to do with the car going away or the the you know me not having spent money on tires or something else. It's so. To me, that changes the context of, you know, how it's a lot easier to have fun because you're exhausted at the end of the night. You know, you gave it everything you had. And I can live with that, you know. That's, uh, but I, I, I don't know, Kaylee, if, if you've had a chance, and I didn't actually know this is out here. I'm kind of surprised that Jory didn't mention it. But I was goofing around on YouTube just kind of watching some videos, and Jory actually posted in-car camera from the race that night. Oh, really? And so, it's it's really interesting because uh you know obviously he was running second and so you can watch your line and and ride along with Jory and then you see me come along on the inside and then kind of how him and I both kind of slowly are gaining ground on you and it's just interesting it's just an interesting vantage point because you can see how all three of us were using up that whole racetrack just to try to figure out like oh, how to how to I catch the guy, you know. <laughs> I was lost the, the whole last half of that race because no matter where I went, it didn't feel fast. And uh, um, yeah, you just uh, so you're just going along, but I never heard an engine, so you know I took the white and thought, well, there we go, I'll, you know, one more lap, no problem. And then two cars streaked by me, going about 20 miles an hour faster than me. I figured you'd be used to that by now. No, you don't have it happened quite often. So, uh, so yeah, I, uh, you, you actually get uncomfortable being comfortable, right? Yeah, right. That's when you know something bad's about to happen. So. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I, one of the things that I did not put in the notes that occurred to me when I was driving down the road yesterday, kind of mulling everything through my head and something I wanted to add, which I think is probably one of the most important, you know, things that you do as a driver um, and relating to fitting in the cockpit correctly um, is looking, looking ahead and uh, where, where your eyes are on the speedway as you're racing. And uh, um, this is one of those kind of technique things that is, you know, it's more probably more subconscious than anything, but uh, um, you know, I've heard and and been taught several different ways. you know, to get around the racetrack, where are you looking? What are you doing? You know, uh, you might have heard of point-to-point racing. Uh, Jeff Marshall. Okay, okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop you because that comes down. That comes in a little bit later on. When when we get to the yep. section of how to drive the car, that's going to play a big but role. It's, it's, it's important in this part with the cockpit because in a late model, in a mod, in a super stock, um, and basically any car that wasn't a stock car at one time or doesn't have a, you know, um, that the, the cockpit is, is built around you. Um, you sit in the race car where you don't have a choice. Um, right. Unless your head is set in the ceiling, you, when you look out the front, I mean, uh, you know, Rico Abreu could run out in front of you in a late model, and if he was, you know, within 20 feet of the nose of that car, you'd run right over him, you know, um, because you have to look. You, you sit so low in the car you don't have a choice but to look far ahead, right? Right. But a sprint car is a little bit different. Cockpit's not laid out the same. And so I think the reason I wanted to bring it up in, in this context, and we'll go through it again for sure, but uh, that, you know, you can look 
basically down at the front wheels. Um, and I think that's an advantage that um, if, if we don't discuss, um, you know, that's where a guy's, you know, you are going to feel like you are going Mach 10 out there if you're looking at the front wheels. Um, I don't care, you know, how fast you're really going. I mean, would you agree with that, Paul? You know what? Um, yeah, I guess, you know, that like I think you kind of touched on a little bit in the beginning of that statement is that a lot of that stuff is um, is learned over the years. So I guess I it is something that kind of I'm going to say is second nature now, but that's a good point because for some of these guys that are new, and um, and are are kind of going to be turning some of their their first laps. Um, that's an important thing, I guess. That I kind of never even thought about either. Is is right? You're you definitely can't concentrate on. I I mean I don't have a measurement, but probably a car length to three in front of you, unless you're in really tight quarters. You got to be. You almost got to try to put yourself a lap ahead. If that's you know if that's uh, imaginable and you gotta especially in traffic, you um, you know that's where the consistent lines and everything else kind of come into play when you're following up on a guy that's that you're faster than you wanna obviously try to plan your moves around him and you're looking in front of him to see what he's gonna react to and and it definitely plays a role I guess that's something I you know, like I say, it kind of has became second nature and is definitely something that with the newer drivers is something you don't want to take for granted. Right. And, uh, and, you know, I think Randy, you've, you've driven, you know, from the street stocks to the, uh, the super stock, um, you know, in those cars, like I said, you're, you're kind of forced. I know the first time guys sit in them, they're like, why you sit so low, you know, um, I can't see nothing. It's well, you're not, you're not supposed to, (laughs) you're supposed to, you're supposed to be looking into the next corner as you're coming out of this um, but with a sprint car, that was one of the first things that I, I realized, um, was the way that you set. I mean, it's all, it's all right there. I mean, you're not, um, you, you can look wherever you want to look. So, um, you know, and of course in a sprint car, um, you know, touching tires is usually not a good thing. Um, so you have to be a little more aware of what, uh, you know, you can't throw caution to the wind quite as, as easily, but, uh, but yeah, um, you know, we'll get into this a lot more um, probably during the the driving technique type stuff. But uh, uh, first thing that I but I wanted to bring it up because I think it's that important. Um, you want to always be looking ahead, and like I mentioned, a little point to point racing. Um, Jeff Marshall um, actually had had taught me this. Um, he went to a driving school, and they taught him basically you pick a point on entry in the next corner. So as you come out of you know turn four, you're looking at a point in turn one. And as you get to, you know, halfway down the straightaway or, or get close to that point, you're looking at a point in the middle of one and two or coming off of two. Um, and so you pick these, you know, four or five points around the racetrack and you race point to point to point. That's fine if you're qualifying or whatever, but I mean, you just, if that's what teaches you um, to keep your head up and keep looking down the racetrack, you know, my, my son is really who reminded me of it because uh, he got a, a little faster racing snowmobile this winter and, and, he comes in and he's, you know, he, he is slowing down as the race goes on. And so what's happening? And he's like, I just, I feel so fast. And so I start watching him while he's looking, looking right down at the nose of the snowmobile. And uh, so it's, it things that, you know, the world's going to come at you really fast. If you're, if you're looking, you know, 10 feet ahead of the race car and that race car is going 80 miles an hour, you know, I mean, you yeah. can, you can see it for yourself just on the interstate, you know, if, if try you looking it, ahead. If you give it a short field of view, um, 
things go by a lot faster. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you have no time. I mean, you, when things are going correctly, you don't have time to, I mean, like Paul said, you, you can think about as you're catching that lap car, um, you know, what are you going to do when you get there? You kind of see where he's running and, you know, how he's reacting to things and you make a plan. But when you get there, you're just reacting. You're not actually like thinking like, Oh, he's going low. I'm going to go high. You know, like if you think about it, it's too late. So that's, <laughs> those things become second nature. <laughs> I don't um, know. I remember Paul telling me something about following me up at brain or at Bemidji one night. <laughs> he, he, he wound up behind me in a super stock. I asked him, I got up after the race. I asked him, I said, how was that? And he says, man, I had no clue. He says, I come out of the corner. I looked at the back of your car and he goes, yeah, he, he's going to go in on the high side. And you went to the bottom and then you come out of the next corner. And I'm like, well, maybe he's going to go to the middle this time. And you went right to the high side. Hey, yeah. <laughs> and we come out of turn two and we're headed down the back straight. And I'm thinking, well, now he's probably going to try the middle again. And you, you went like middle high and then dove to the bottom. And he says, I'm thinking yep. to myself, I got no idea what Keep the hell this guessing. guy's going to do. Keep <laughs> him guessing. One of the greatest lines in uh, all of dirt track racing was uh, Lem, one of the guests we had uh, had a couple months back. Um, and Paul, he, he used to build Paul Super Stocks. And, uh, and uh, they, I, don't, I wasn't at the race, but I remember the next night they were talking about it. And he told Paul, the only time you're on the track is when you were crossing it. <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite lines ever. So. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, well, what's uh, what's what what's on the notes? What's the next the next item? Well, yeah, the the it says how to fit into the car, what is important to be comfortable, sort of how to buckle the belts, what kind of belts, your requirements. I guess um, we might as well start with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, fitting fitting in the car is important. Um, because it's your office, it's your workspace. It's, uh, um, you want to be, you want to be comfortable in it. Um, but you want to cinch the tight, the belts down tight enough that you're not, not necessarily like bark along, you're comfortable. Um, yeah. your seat, your seat needs to fit you. Um, it needs to be, be tight on the sides of your legs. It needs to be uh, nice and tighter on your rib cage. I think was it the last episode, Paul, you shared a, shared a story about, uh, breaking uh I, I think it was, I think it was actually one of our, uh, our recording that didn't make it. Okay. Um, but you actually broke a couple of ribs, right? Um, yeah. Yep. So I guess I'll, I'll, you know, a short and short version <laughs> there is that I was driving a car for another, another gentleman and, and, uh, the seat fit me fine, but the supports along your rib cage were low. Um, normally I'm going to say like in all the seats that I've ever had, they're kind of right up into my armpits and these were kind of low and, um, they were holding me along, you know, on the car, the modified I was driving actually bottomed out on the racetrack. It wasn't even an accident or anything. And I actually broke three ribs because of how the seat, uh, was positioned high to low, not so much like left to right. So I guess, um, you know, full containment seat is an absolute must. I would say in today's world, you can, you can buy them reasonable enough, um, especially in a sprint car. Uh, that's a must. Um, it's a zero to 10 degree layback, um, which is different. So if anybody's out there shopping for a used seat or a new seat, you want a zero or 10 degree layback for a sprint car in your, in your other cars you can get away with, I think you're 15 to 20. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, measure, get something that fits you correctly. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, part of the, part of the important, 
important thing that you need to keep in mind when you're buying a seat and you know, they don't, they don't cost used to be a full containment seat was only for NASCAR guys. Um, you know, the prices are reasonable. You can get a nice one. Um, and, and think about all of the costs for your safety equipment versus time out of work. I mean, we're all invincible. So, uh, so, you know, it's not going to happen to me and whatever, you know, I'm not going to bang the drum too much about the importance of safety equipment. We all know it, but, uh, um, you know, you you had to miss some time at work, didn't you, Paul, with your ribs, or at least have yeah. some uncomfortable days, if nothing else. Well, yeah, I was, I did, I did miss some time at work, and uh, you know, and I guess in the big picture, right? I mean, I miss racing. I'm, you know, that was actually opening night at Proctor uh, a couple years ago, so I sat the first, uh, I guess I don't remember exactly, but maybe first month out, right? And um, yeah, so. I, I, I thought it was like Absolutely. six weeks because you had Jory in the car for most of it, in the in the sprint car. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, Jory ran the sprint car. I had it parked my mod. Um, but yeah, I know Jory actually picked up a win in uh, Bemidji with it. And um, I yeah, I guess I don't remember exactly the timeline how it all worked out. But bottom line is, it definitely wasn't worth it, you know. And um, when the opportunity came along again actually last year for me to drive that guy's car i actually put my own seat in the car um and it was just you know it's just one of those things where um in 25 plus years of racing that's the only injury other than probably rocks to the head that i've ever had that's actually was serious were those all actually racing incidents Rocks to the head? Well, probably not all of them. <laughs> Might have been before the, or I should say after the races around the fire and a couple other things. But, uh, but no, that's, I mean, so when you're, when you're talking about safety, that's, you know, everybody's heard all the things and you read all the articles and, you know, oh yeah, it's really important and whatever. But it's, you know, in real world terms, um, you know, that's, it's likely, you know, if you get beat up in the car, you know, it's going to affect your personal life and your ability to make money and provide for your family, all those other things. And uh, so, so think about that stuff, you know, as you're making your purchases, because um, that's, that's kind of what's at stake aside from the obvious. So, uh, so the seat was the, is the first thing. Um, and, and just because you fit between the rails doesn't necessarily mean the car fits you. Right. Right. Well, and uh, you know, that's, that's something that's all, I get this question a ton. Um, you know, what do the numbers mean on a sprint car? And I'm not going to try and jump off the cockpit topic too far, but, um, you know, a shorter car has a smaller cockpit. Um, and we're only talking an inch or two, but, uh, they're, you know, Paul sat in my car and my car is an 86 inch car and, uh, my cockpit's a little bit smaller than, than his. And, um, and, uh, they get a little bigger from there. And of course, um, you know, a guy like Dave Brayford or, or you, Randy, who you, you piloted Dave's car, um, that's your live and drive, um, you know, bigger guys and taller guys, um, need, need taller cars, which they make. Um, so, but yeah, when but you're looking at sprint cars, oh, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, but that doesn't get reflected in the number. You've got to actually order the taller chassis. Cause like the, the number is like an 8840 or an 8740 and it's overall length and how much is from the mid plate back. Right. It's yes. like an 88 yeah, so, inch car, but it's got a 40 inch driver's compartment. Well, it's a it's a 80 so an, an 87 40, which is the most common, I believe, um, is going to have an 87 inch wheelbase, and then I believe it's 40 inches from the mid plate to the center of the rear end. I think is how that works. So, um, but basically, um, you know, 
my car, like my car is an 86, uh, 86, 39, here an 86, 40, one of the two. Um, yeah, we don't really tape measure a lot of things at my shop. So, <laughs> but, uh, well, that um, explains anyway. a lot of things too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but you know, so it does have a little bit, a little bit cozier of a cockpit. So, uh, so you need to be aware, um, you know, the recommendation in the rule book, I believe is, you know, there's a minimum of two, he- two inches of head clearance, um, and, you know, what we've seen in the past, and we always caution guys, is, uh, um, you know, these cars should have the halo bars put in the top of them. And we've seen guys that have, you know, two inches to that. Well, that halo is above the main cage, right? Um, so that's that's not really a safe way to uh, to have the car. No, um, and, and, so it, as it, and you also need to state that it's two inches of headroom with your helmet on. <laughs> yeah, that's important. It needs that to be important. two inches of headroom from the top of your helmet to the bottom of the main halo cage around the top of the roll cage. And, uh, you know, you, you could ask Chase Vibrock or a couple other guys that have uh, has gotten injured somewhat, you know, when the car lands upside down or whatever. Um, you know, your belts are going to stretch. You can't have your belts tight enough. Um, that's where the seat and that clearance go. You, you can't have too much clearance in, a, in any kind of race car, but uh, um, sprint car, sprint car probably even a little bit more important. So, so, um, when you're buying a car, or you're fitting a car. Um, you know, you got to make sure that you fit in it correctly. Um, if you have any questions, um, our friends at TCB Speed North, uh, Rob Cahoe and the guys there, um, you know, these guys are experts. They've been doing this a really long time. Um, you know, there's lots of other sources around. You can message either, either of the uh, Facebook pages. Um, you know, hell, you can you can message us on the Renegades Under podcast. Um, but you know, there is a huge network of people out there that that can help you and uh, and even Rob, you know, Rob can find you a car that'll fit you, even if, if you're in the market. So, so um, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the skinny on seats. Um, just a couple other little highlights with the seat um, when you mount it. Um, you know, don't don't use ungraded bolts. You know, don't use carriage bolts from the hardware store that don't have a grade to them. Um, you know, don't don't find what's just laying around the shop. I mean, the stuff it's got to be mounted good. I mean, that seat might fit you awesome, but if it don't bolt to the car or it comes loose, then it's gonna make a damn bit of difference. So, so I did my my first assembly of my own car. Um, I believe it was my street stock. Otherwise, I had some some more uh, expert guidance, but. I, I needed to block the front of the seat up a little bit from the mountain. I couldn't understand why you couldn't put a two by four underneath there. Cause it's just, it's just a spacer, right? So what the hell's the difference? <laughs> well, that and spacer I breaks. It, I, I, I bolted down nice and tight and it was good and solid until I went in the first corner and, and uh, yeah, I got bumped or whatever. And then the whole seat rotated like, like one of them old, uh, a conversion van seats. <laughs> it just, I just turned right to the right. <laughs> Big old captain's chair. Yeah, what the hell? And I, uh, I got up and I hear the yeah, the two by four it split right now. Yeah, turns out a pine two by four is one one the right material to use. So, um, you know, you don't want you don't want to do anything like that. You know, don't do anything hokey. Again, there's so many people out there that can help you do this. Um, you know, just reach out and, and ask somebody. There's no shame in it. Um, we'd all love to. Uh, you know, we wanna wanna make sure that you're safe and you're making good decisions. So. So uh, any other any other things on seats, boys? Besides inspecting them for cracks, you know, don't buy a seat that's got ten thousand holes drilled in it. Um, you know, for forty different. Swiss cheese isn't very strong. No, no. Um, <laughs> you know, no. We, go ahead. Uh, just make sure that when you when you get a containment seat, 
uh, that you measure yourself properly. Lean up against there's, it. There's lean, instruction online to do all that stuff. Yeah, but just make sure you get that done because the measurement across your hips is what's going to fit that seat to the rest of your body. Yeah, hips don't lie. <laughs> okay, Shakira. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to put that out there because that's important. If that seat gets a little bit loose or you're loose in it where you can get slapped around, it's actually really fatiguing on you. Yeah, because you know, you're trying yeah, you to can't, you can't hold yourself up. You're trying to hold yourself in place and still run the throttle and the brake. And in a sprint car, especially, your legs have got to be a little bit loose so that you can get the movement that you need. You, you, there's nothing to brace off of. So, yeah, make sure your seat fits snug. And then uh, make sure you got good quality safety belts. The three inch wide. Uh, five point harness is mandatory. The, the anti sub strap is only two inches wide. So it's a little, a little more comfortable in that region. Yeah. And you're sitting (laughs) so straight up and down in a sprint car that, uh, you know, there, you're not going to notice that belt nearly as much as a layback seat, in my opinion. Um, it's not, uh, you know, you, you sit so straight up and down that you're really, the belts are really pulling you straight down into the car. Um, but, well, they should that. be down and back a little. Well, right, but I mean they're over your shoulder. They need to they need to mount at the the point, and there's a million diagrams online that all say the exact yep. same thing. So it's really easy to figure out. But, um, you know the the point is that it has to, you know that that's holding you in place. That the those seatbelts, um, and you can't have all this was this was a mistake my first year of, of sprint car racing, um we had the side belts, the lap belts were just not very adjustable and they didn't, they're at a funny angle, um, in my car where, you know, the guy, the pit guy could put, could pull on them and try and pull them tight, but they, they would get to a point and they would stop and you just couldn't get them any tighter. And so you would take up the rest of the slack with the shoulder belts and you'd be nice and tight in the car, but you'd be exhausted. Um, and you know, you start getting kind of a sore back and sore shoulders. Cause I mean, it's just, all of the tension is right on your shoulders, you know I mean? And, and you could pull them tight enough where you, you have trouble breathing. And uh, um, it's not a good way to race. It's still not the safest way to be in a car. I mean, that your lap belt has to be able to be really tight. Yep. Um, and so I, I would highly, highly recommend um, ratcheting, a set of ratcheting seatbelts um, where you actually can physically put a quarter inch drive ratchet in, in the, the buckle down on the, uh, on the left side. And you can ratchet the thing like a ratchet strap um, tight. And I know some people that are new to the sport, uh, this question has come up a couple times with that is they said, what happens when you crash? Um, you know, how do you get it loose fast? Cause I mean, you literally have to, you know, to loosen it, you have to pull a little more tension on it and then hold the, hold the clip back. Right. And, and so it can free up. You're not but worried about those in a crash. Well, no, but people get that misunderstanding that you have to release that to release it. Well, no, you have you have the quick release right in the center of your belt where all of or your lap where all of the belts come together. So they can be extremely tight, but when you grab that and pull it, it's coming apart. Um, and so you're you're free to get out of the car. You know, you're free from the car at that point. Um, and it's, so there's not you know, that ratcheting belt. And uh, like I said, I mean, I've, this question has been asked at least three separate times to me. Um, you know, well, geez, I, but how do you get out fast? You know, and it's though you're ratcheted in extremely tight, 
you know, it all comes apart in one, one with the click of one belt and, uh, and away you go. And it's, so you're not, you're not having to reach down next to you and try and find the thing and whatever. So it's, uh, um, you know, one of the other concerns with that, and I don't mean to be the only guy talking here, but <laughs> I, I didn't want to, I wanted ratcheting belts for the reason I stated earlier. Um, and I got them and you know, they, they're just a tab. They bolt, you know, they need a through bolt. Um, so they need a tab welded on the, on the frame, like a regular race car would have. Well, in a sprint car, most sprint cars that I know of anyway, you wrap the belts around the roll cage. Um, and we'll get into that in a second, but I didn't have a tab and I was, I was literally was scared to weld my own tab on. Um, and I was at the point, I didn't really want to bring the car somewhere to have it done. Um, you know, I, I'm confident enough. I feel like I could do it. Um, but if that thing lets go, you know, all bets are off, you know what I mean? So I got a family. So, um, when, when you, uh, when you're buying your belts, look into it a little bit because they make them both ways. They make them with a tab and they make them as a wraparound. And they actually make, uh, I don't know if it's a clamp bracket or something. You know, like I said, call TCB speed. They can tell you about it, but, um, they're, uh, there's, there's another, there's other ways that you can do it. But so what I ended up doing, if you're in the same position as I was, um, I actually drilled the hole through the tube and then drilled it out to, uh, um, like three quarter inch or whatever. And I bought a slug, um, you know, a, a piece of thick, thick wall tubing that I stuck through the tube. So it doesn't matter how well the slug is welded into the tube, right? It's got to break the bolt. Uh, before anything could ever let go so it's not contingent on the welder being the uh, the greatest welder ever so um so that's how i fixed mine um and made it work and uh i would recommend you know if you're not confident don't do it you know don't uh, don't mess with it if there's too much at stake so uh um you know that tcb speed can help you with that too i mean there's lots, lots of places around the cat so well there is all so that what, <laughs> paul what's uh what kind of belts you got in your car? Um, I I have had a set of ratcheting belts in my modified before. Um, I currently don't have a set of ratcheting belts. I think that those probably <clears throat> probably are the way to go. Um, but if you don't have that, or if you're not going that way, I think I think um, the belts are a little bit harder to adjust because once you put all the body panels and everything on, you can't get to, you can't set the length. So I think it's important before, you know, to do this at home before you get to the racetrack for practice day or whatever your first night is going to be is to have all your body panels off, set your belts up. Um, as the instructions say, I don't know. I think it was Speedway Illustrated uh, last month or whatever, actually had a quite an interesting article on seatbelts and some of the things that they've saw. So they did a pretty good article on it. Ah, I actually yes. saw that. Yep. Follow some the, of the crazy things that they saw. Oh <laughs> yeah. Really scary things in there. Yeah, and, and those of us that have been around racetrack for a lot of years have probably either been there, done that, or Got the um, have seen cars that have done that. So follow the instructions. Make sure that. They're set up the way they're supposed to be. And then get in the car at home with your suit on, kind of similar to what Randy said, with your helmet on. You know, put yourself in race position and make sure you can get your belts tight because you may have to unloop it and and move the clevises and stuff around so that you can pull up all your slack and, and then the center of your buckle is in the middle from the left side. You know, you can't pull the right side 
once you're in the car and all the body panels are on. So it, it takes some setup and some planning, but just do it all at home when you have the time to do it all right. How many how many times, Paul, have you gone to the racetrack first night out, um, you know, BSing with your buddies, you know, everybody's looking at everybody's car, and time comes to get out there and actually go and you get in the car and you realize that you haven't set those lengths yet. Because that's happened to me two or three times, and then you're yeah. in full-on panic mode. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. idiot. Like, I'm exactly not even right. close. <laughs> yep. You know that that's something you should do, but you always just, it, I'll do it later. I got the time. But you're absolutely right. I've been there, done that. And you go to get into the car, like, to go practice or hot laps your first night out, and you can't get your belts tight enough. And, of course, you know, we're not the – most race car guys aren't the sharpest and they're going to do whatever it takes. So they're going to go out there and do it and come back in and spend the next hour trying to get their belts to tighten up. But yes, yep. that, just take the time to do it at home. That's just the way to do it. And what, I would rec- one of the I'm things sorry. I used to do, um, <clears throat> get in the car, get everything set, have somebody help me pull the belts tight enough. And then when I release the belts, you just pull that center thing, release all the belts. And then, all I had ever loosened was the shoulder straps and the left side lap belt. And then every time yep. I got back in the car, because you put left side lap belt, uh, left shoulder strap, anti-sub strap, right side, and then clip it in on the other side. And then you just pull that lap belt back across. And once you're back to center, you know, you're tight enough. Right. And actually every, all the lay models and stuff I drove, I never even mess with the lap belts. I would just, you would, you, when you latched it, you were, you're pretty tight and they're probably not tight enough, but, uh, you know, you just took up the rest with the shoulder, with the shoulder belts, but, uh, I'm, but, I'm, I'm uh, a bigger guy. So there's a little bit of a squish factor when you're tightening the belts. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, what I, what, what I was going to say too is, uh, you know, I did this and my son looked at me pretty funny, but pretty soon he was helping me when, when we first got the sprint car, um, you know, even being, you know, I raced a long time before that. Um, but, I went in the garage with all my stuff on. I got my fire suit on, my shoes, and my helmet, and I practiced getting in and out of the car and getting buckled. Because the first thing I realized after racing one night with these guys was, you know, they would holler for you to get in the car, and everybody hops in the car, and they're they're staged. And I'm still trying to find the belt, and I, you know, the, this Hans device belt, you know, I never wore one of them before. Um, you know, I just it's it's like strapping into like a rocket ship or something like you're going to the moon. It took forever. And then wearing a head sock and all this. I mean, we'll get into all this stuff, but, you know, it's just a whole different deal and uh, took a lot longer. And so I literally would practice um, and I would practice getting out of the car as fast as I could with all that stuff on. Cause you know, in other cars, I'd, it wasn't a big deal to get in and out of the car with the helmet on, but you never really did, you know? Um, and I just, I don't know. I just, uh, I felt like I wasn't very good at it where, where other race cars, I didn't have that discomfort so so don't be afraid to be that guy you know your stuff yep, on I, try I it i think out. that that's uh that's a good point because um you know even whatever for we're talking to new guys we're talking to veteran guys anybody that's listening it, they're all in different points in their life but getting into a sprint car having all that extra stuff on is way more time consuming than any other car that I've ever been in. And I've been in lots, all the other ones you can dive in there head first and get ready and boom, you're driving away. And these things, 
it's a it's a circus. So yeah, practice. <laughs> that's, that's a good just practice it. I know it seems oh, I've done it a million times. Well, if you haven't done it a million times in a sprint car, it's a different deal. Yep, yep. And uh, you know, with the with the head sock and um, just yeah, more layers and more. Great every- fever. Yep. Neck neck restraint. I don't know how many times I still will get I'll get my helmet on, I'll get my head sock on, I got everything on and I'm ready to call in the car and I look down and there's my race receiver sitting on the, on the <laughs> trail and you go, Oh, gotta start again. <laughs> and of course everybody else is rolling up to the lineup, so then you're really panicking and not a not a fun way to get into the race car and get out on the track. So yeah. So um so with your belts, um you need to have current belts. Of course, I failed to look up what the spec was again. Um, but if your belts are more than, uh, you know, two years old, you should probably look at getting new ones anyway. Um, the spec is in the rule book. Yeah, it'll be 2021 uh, I, I, this year. Yeah, 2021 this year. Okay. I, I uh, think normally it's the rule books always say three years or uh, manufacturer uh, recommendations, which – I have found seat belts that, according to the tag on the seat belt, it's two years. So you you need to know where you fall because right. even though they're maybe not three years old, if uh, the manufacturer says you know replace after two years, that's that's it goes to that rule, not the three year rule. Right, right, and it's you know seat belts you know really aren't that expensive in the grand scheme, so uh, don't sell yourself short on them. Um, they make really good ones that are really affordable. And, uh, and, uh, so, so make sure that you're just buy them new. Don't, uh, don't, if you're unsure, uh, just get new ones. So pretty cheap insurance really. And get yourself some armor strains at the same time. Uh, you yeah, know, I think, I I think uh, <laughs> next, next subject is helmet tear offs. Um, what to do when you can't see an arm restraints window net. So we're kind of rolling into that yep. okay. as well. Right, right. Well, and I know, uh, I know, Paul's only got about ten more minutes before he's got to get going, and, and uh, we don't want to want to bore everybody to death uh, too long. But uh, um, I just completely derailed my train of thought. Uh-huh. Um, oh, arm restraints. Arm restraints are, you know, that's going to be a topic that we should we should hold off on because I have I have lots and lots of different. I I really want to get your guys' opinion on them and, and whatever because uh, I I have. I don't know. We'll talk about it later. But helmet. Start with the helmet. Helmet how much, tear off. How much is helmet your head worth? <laughs> <laughs> well, in the case of Paul, when the rocks are hitting in or whatever, it's, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, um, your your helmet is, uh, of course, you know, like Randy said, it protects your head, and that's you know one of the one of the most important safety features that you uh, you're gonna wear. Um, but there's so much more to it with. Um, the way it sits on your head and you're going to go through so many different conditions, you know, nights that are going to be really cold, nights that are going to be hot, um, you know, nights that are going to be humid. Um, I had a mosquito stuck in my helmet one time because uh, having used to have a swamp kind of off the corner. I closed my shield and there was full of mosquitoes. Uh, you know, you and your helmet are going to go through a lot together. So um, <laughs> you, you're going to want a good helmet. You're going to want it to fit right. Um, it's one of those things, you know, a lot of places that sell them, um, will let you, you know, send them back if they don't fit and try another one or whatever. Um, or, you know, go into a place that has them and you can try a couple on, um, and they're, they're getting picked. Wow. And, and most places have a, a guide for how to measure your head with a cloth style tape measure and you measure around your head 
and that'll tell you what size you need. And there's a yep. couple, couple of little tests that you can do once you put the thing on. It's it's not just a comfort level thing. Um, yeah. you, you shouldn't be able to turn your head very much at all inside the helmet. So grab it by the face shield, hold the face shield as tight as you can and try to turn your head. If you can move your head more than a quarter of an inch, the helmet's too loose. And I would say, you know, uh, yeah, definitely not more than a you know, half inch or so. Um, quarter is not very much. So I think I can move mine more than that. But, uh, but no, you're right. It's, uh, um, and then watch them. I mean, I've seen helmets where the guy's like chin sticks out the bottom. You know what I mean? Like, yep. um, you're going to be, you're going to be pelted with a lot of different things. Um, I mean, I know Paul's, you know, talking about rocks, um, or Billy Matzorf, um, his shield got broke. That's the only one I've ever heard of. Um, but uh, he had a rock actually break his shield. Jeff Tardy um, got hit in the face with a boulder with, with a good size rock. And it broke the chin guard on the on the helmet and broke his jaw. Yeah, I think that happened to Daryl Nelson actually too. So it's okay. definitely common. So well, maybe um, not common, but it can happen. Well, yeah. I know I've been hit in the head, and I'm sure you guys have too, with things that you saw coming. Actually, they were that big, and I and you don't know how it didn't break the shield. And, and you can't um, get out of the way of it. No, there's nothing you can do. I mean, you can't steer the car away from it or whatever, well, you know. And it's not like any other car where you can duck out of the way. <laughs> you, you, you can try. that. Well, when you, when you got the Hans device on and everything else now, nowadays, I mean, um, you know, back in them days, yeah, you had a little bit of freedom of motion, but, I mean, you're you're strapped in, man. I mean, if it's going to hit you, you just got to take it. So you're not, you're not moving, so. Um, at least you shouldn't be able to. And, uh, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the helmets, some of the other features you want to, uh, take a look at, uh, make sure it comes up with tear off or comes with tear off, uh, pegs on the shield. Um, you know, you can drill them and put them on yourself later, but, uh, you know, most of them nowadays come with them. Um, and some of them you have to request it or, or click that box or whatever. Um, same with, uh, Hans device, uh, or whatever your neck restraint choice is. Um, there's usually mounting tabs that for your helmet. Um, so you want to ask the manufacturer or whoever you're buying the, the helmet from, um, you know, if it matches up with, with whatever your neck restraint device is. Um, or, you know, if you have to put that stuff in yourself, um, it's not tough. I did it on my helmet, but uh, it's, it's still, you know, something you got to be really aware and be careful when you're doing it. So it's all, uh, all pretty important how it's mounted. They all now come pretty much with those, uh, uh, la, 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 the bungs. For the screws built into the helmets, right with castrate into them. Yeah, which makes them. I mean, it makes the most sense, really, because everybody's wearing them. Um, you know, it's not mandated um, UMSS or, or Renegade competition. You do have to wear some type of neck restraint, but basically, and it's it's BS because it's just a it's a lawyer thing. Like we're not allowed to tell you you have to wear Hans device or you have to wear you know this. You can wear a neck brace, and there ain't a damn thing we can say about it. And the reason is because if you break your neck and we told you you have to wear a Hans device, well, then there can become liability in that. That's just right. a ridiculous world we right. live in. So, but I'm telling you right now, you need to have a good one. Don't just put a stupid neck brace on. Uh, my opinion is neck braces are more dangerous than uh, than no no neck brace is my opinion. But, um, you know, Hans device, uh, there's, I don't know the names of all of the other ones. Um, I know there's a bunch of them out there and they all seem to be really good. And I know, well, Paul, you probably have the most sprint car experience. I've rolled over a couple of times, but I've never come to a dead stop and a heartbeat. But I remember you leaving uh most of your fuel cell 
um, on the front stretch of Bemidji and uh, not really not really knowing where you were, according to your dad. Uh, why don't you tell us about that and, and your thoughts on all these restraint well, devices? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we'll finish up with the helmet thing. You know, I think um, I think the rules are SA 10 or SA 2010, when I think 2015. Maybe in 2021 it's going to switch to yeah 2000 to SA 15 but then absolutely I you know I ran a neck collar for actually right up until Kenny Roan's accident and that kind of made me think okay I'm you know this needs to be uh, I need to get better so I actually borrowed Jory's um, next gen I think he had um and yeah, when I hit the wall in Bemidji, it was a dead stop. Um, you know, I think I was seeing some stars a little bit, but as far as like later that night or the next day, I was not sore at all. Um, so I completely wrecked the car, but when it came to what I had on for safety equipment, it was, uh, the way to go. I currently have a next gen, um, neck head restraint. And, uh, I like that. I, you know, I think between all of us, we have different kinds and different uh, manufacturers. So, I mean, if you are looking at buying something, um, everybody's kind of got an opinion or what they're looking for. We have something you can try or whatever. But, yeah, I would definitely go that route versus a net collar. And most places, uh, I know TCB Speed, that Rob had actually said that he would still honor this deal, um, have at least at one time, you know, sold that stuff basically for cost um, because they want they want guys wearing them. And, um uh, <laughs> Um, I would assume that Rob is still, I think, I think as of a couple months ago, he was doing it anyway. Um, you know, so call these guys and ask them, you know, what they run, what, what's available. And, uh, um, you can get, you can get a really good deal on the stuff. Um, but it's, it's, it's vitally important. I mean, it's, uh, we can, we can have a great time and screw around and every once in a while something goes awry and, I watched Paul park it in the concrete that night and uh, it didn't look that bad from my point of view. Um, but then when I saw the car and whatever, uh, you know, that was, that was a hell of a hit and uh, you know, for him not be, not be injured or have any, you know, real side effects from it. That's just a testament to everything doing its job. And that's, that's how it goes. You got all that stuff. You got really very little to worry about. Um, but if you don't, you sh- then, then you, you shouldn't be out there. So, um, I think the last thing that I want to touch on real quick, since we got helmets in mind, and I, I want I want Paul's opinion on this first, and then Randy's. Um, Paul, what do you do when you're racing? You're you know you're going it's it's lap three of the heat race or whatever, and you're on a hammer down racetrack and you get splattered with mud, and you uh, either can't find your tear off or whatever. You the moment that you can't see, like what's your reaction? What are you doing? Um. I don't know that I would follow what I typically do. <laughs> it's not what <laughs> I would like to tell everybody else. <laughs> uh, something uh, about he opens the shield and goes, oh, that was stupid. <laughs> uh, you know, I guess, you know, everybody's safety is number one. But, yeah, I have been there before where I've either ran out of tear-offs or I've grabbed them all. Or, like you said, you're in the you're in the heat of the moment and there's cars around you and you don't dare take a, your hand off the wheel. But basically, you know, you start, you just, you drive not like you would normally. You start to, you know, you get off the gas, you find, you basically, you can't hit the brakes. You don't want to just move out of the way, you know, because that can cause a whole nother set of issues. But basically, 
to the best of your abilities, you try to get yourself out of that situation, whether it's, you know, get out of the groove so that you're not in the way of everybody else. Um, but you, you know, you make the best of it. I, what I've always done, I guess my dad taught me is I always put my first tear off on backwards from, I, I pull from the right side. So I always put my first one on from the left so that if by accident, I grab all of my tear offs and pull them off at one time, or if I run out, I always have one more to go. And I guess I don't know, Kaylee, you or Randy, you guys ever do anything like that or? Yeah. When when we were setting up my helmet, uh, I used to take a, like a 10 pack of tear offs. <laughs> and you take that first one and fold the tab under and put it on the helmet so that the tab can't come up at all. You know, you, you fold it under yep. so that when you click it onto the post, the tab is under the tear-off. That way you've always got one tear-off left at the end of the shield. And then I used to alternate them. Really? I'd go left to right. Left to right, left. <laughs> oh, man, I'd be so confused. <laughs> I, well, I wouldn't want to have to pull from my left side either. That would just be weird for me. I, I don't think I could take my left hand off the wheel, honestly, to reach up and grab anything. I don't know why. That's well, just, yeah, that's just crazy. Like, like I said, I used I used to do that. But I got to the point where uh, all I was doing, <laughs> I got to the point where I realized that when you had the tear-offs adjusted right, <laughs> if you reached across and grabbed it from the left side and pulled, all you did was open your visor. <laughs> and it was like, okay. Well, you can see real good for a second. This sucks. <laughs> so then I pull from the right because I use my right hand, so it was just quick and easy to reach up, grab that tab, and pop it down. But when you put the first one, the well, the second one on, you fold that tab, the pull tab, back over so that it sits over that mounting tab again. And yep. then you and sandwich the other one on top of it and do the same thing with that for however many deep you're going to go. And that'll help prevent you from pulling them all off at the same time. It'll help. Yep. It won't necessarily eliminate it. Because if you get, if you get freaked and reach up and grab, you can actually pinch two or three of them and pull <laughs> pull off a stack. Yes, yeah. No, we've all. Uh, I think we, uh, you you haven't raced for very long if you've never pulled all your tear offs. Once. And that's uh, there's, there's lots of analogies that you could uh, could use to uh, the disappointment that it brings when all your tear offs go flying out the window. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Finishing finishing your tear offs early. Especially if it's muddy. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, and um, and they should come off fairly easy. There sh there should be a little bit of resistance on them, but they should come off fairly easy. You'll you'll know yeah. when you're putting them on if you got the if you got sure. the pins too tight. I mean, yeah, making sure that you have the right tear offs um, for your helmet is is the first thing. Um, you know, the tear offs, the pegs on your helmet. You'll see if you look from the inside of your shield out, you'll see they're they're offset uh, screwed in. Yep, they're screwed in from one one edge. They're not in the center, and so you can rotate them. Um, and I do it actually while I'm racing. Sometimes you'll pull one and you'll see your rest of your tear offs come a little bit loose and I just reach up and give it a little bit of a turn. You know, I don't keep mine so tight that I can't adjust them, but, um, 
Because, yeah, if they're ridiculously tight, which you want them tight because you don't want dust getting in between them, and you don't want them flapping, changing the glare in your eyes. Um, and it's, it's weird to have a, you know, a long conversation about tear-offs, but, I mean, if you can't see, like, what the hell are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like, you can't. Right. I've always had a personal uh, kind of a rule that when I can't see, my foot rolls rolls off the gas. And that doesn't doesn't mean that you're jacking the brake or anything else, but... Um, you know, you, you see so many guys, you know, drive into stuff that happens and, and there's no time for them to react. Um, you know, that stuff happens all the time. But if you drive into something because you, you couldn't see, um, you know, that's a that's a really bad and that's a really poor excuse to, to destroy your race car or somebody else's. So, um, you know, but that but, that's also goes without saying. It should be without saying. Let me rephrase that. Um, if you're in the middle of the corner and you get blasted and you can't get to your tear off, Finish your corner. Get to yeah, where you're going you can, straight. You can safely assume that your what you just last saw is is probably a decent guide for the next you know couple seconds. But yeah. do not drive with your foot on the floor down the straightaway um, into the next corner. Um, you know, not being able to see or not having a better plan. You know, right. um, it's and it, it's it seems silly to talk about it, but you know, I I know I know lots of guys. Oh, I drove around in there. Like, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's how things get distracted. That's so, a great way to miss your mark and go pass oh, over yeah. tea kettle off the back of the corner well, or into Paul the wall. Remember, uh, racing on Sunday afternoons and late summer at Bemidji was it didn't matter. You didn't even need a shield on the backstretch. Cause the sun coming over the trees, um, you know, I, that was the only place where I used to kind of listen to the engine and you just turn when it got to an RPM, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was substantially younger then and pretty dumb, but, uh, but yeah, you know, racing when you can't see is no fun. So, um, so make sure that you got the right tear offs, make sure that they're adjusted properly. Um, you know, like Paul said, I think the correct way to do it is to put your first tear off on, on the opposite side of what you pull. So generally, you know, if you're right-handed, you're going to gonna put that one. So the tab is to the, the left side of your head. Um, and then as you put each tear off on, uh, make sure you clean your shield inside and out before you put your tear offs on. As you uh, put each one on um, to the right, then after your first one, um, you're going to fold the tab over and then put the next one over that. So there's only one available tab for your finger uh, to pull. And, um, and make sure that, you know, this is something, this is something else that you, you, your first couple of nights, you might want to, you might want to show up to the track with your helmet ready to go. Um, and you're going to want to redo it likely between the heat and the feature. Um, you know, when you're hot lapping, one thing that, you know, I always do when I'm hot lapping new guys, maybe want to, maybe want to follow a guy like Paul. Um, if you're lucky, cause he's a, he's a madman on hot laps, but, um, if you're, uh, um, hot lap and you maybe want to follow a guy and and see what he's doing and and watch how he's driving but you know don't be afraid to space yourself out um so that you and the car is not getting peppered um you know reserve that for when you're uh when you're running a heat race or whatever but uh but make sure as you go through your evening that you know it's nice that's a that's an awesome job for wives and girlfriends to learn how to do um makes them feel more involved and and uh or even fit guys or whatever you know make sure the helmet's ready to go at all times that's uh that's really important and uh, it'll make all the difference in the world to you in a race because if you can't see you can't i mean you can't you, you can't win let alone you can't race so. it, it's also part of the reason that we talk about the tension of the tear-off making sure that they're on tight because that that bottom one right up against the visor if that one gets a little bit loose 
all the dust collects up underneath that one and it yeah. scratches the hell out of your visor. And trust me, yeah. a scratched visor sucks. Yes. And that's what I was going to mention too, is that, in, you know, they have the, the style tear offs that are yes, actually like sealed to each other versus the individuals. You know, those are really nice. I mean, there's, you know, back in the days of Hibbing, I'd go through uh, six, seven tear-offs just because of the dust, not had anything to do with the dirt, where the stacks, um, you know, unless they're getting muddy, you don't even have to peel them off. So those are kind of a nice thing, too, depending on track conditions. But Yeah, uh, they're uh, they're nice. I carry both. Um, when I was when I was a, you know, pretty late model driver, um, I would not race without my speed stack tear-offs. Only commoners <laughs> would use regular tear-offs. Um, but now that I'm, you know, a little older and wiser and, and I don't, don't have uh, the disposable income that I once had, um, those get expensive too. So, um, yeah. those are nice when you know the track's going to be, going to be, uh, um, dusty and, you know, dust is going to be a factor all night. Um, those are, those are awesome tear offs are awesome options to have, but at 25 bucks for a pack of them, um, yeah. you know, which is what there's, there's five or six stacks of seven in there. Um, and, uh, you know, that you can, you can run a whole season on 25 bucks with regular tear offs kind of, you know? So, um, you know, it's, it's a nice option to have and certainly something the guy should be aware of and, and whatever, but, uh, just make sure that you have time to clean your shield and, and, uh, adjust everything correctly. And you don't, don't necessarily need them. Um, you know, something else I was going to mention and, about them though. Oh, I used to not save them. I used to, you know, I'd get through a couple of races and, you know, you would finally get some dust in between the, the back tear off and the shield or whatever. Um, I would just, you know, there'd be four left. I'd toss them. Um, cause you can't, once the back one gets, cause the, the tear off will actually get scratched a little bit. Um, you know, you can't peel the back one without more dust getting to it. And, and so I would toss them, but you know, I knew it was time to change when I was trying to glue a couple of them. You know, there's oh, there's two left in this one, and oh, three in that one. I, I'll, I'll use them all together, and then you really can't see as well as you could. If <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, that and when you're fun. when you're cleaning your shield, uh, go to, go to the optometrist's office and get an anti-static, anti-fog uh, lens cleaner. Use well, that it. seems really fancy. Use it I on. I just use whatever Paul, whatever's in Paul's trailer is what I clean my. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you use so the, if you if, don't, just come over to Paul's trailer. If, if, you, if you use the anti-fog <laughs> stuff, it does help prevent the helmet from fogging up when you when the nights cool down. Yep. And your breath is hotter than that shield, and you get that breath fog on it. Right. Then you're not running down the back straight trying to flip your shield open enough to get the air to flow in there to clear it off <laughs> yeah and you know what like i guess that kind of bears i you know easy way to deal with that is to get a you know an air pump and a whatever but you know lay model i always had um you know the hose that went to your helmet and kept it pressurized but uh you know sprint cars most of them don't have batteries and you know those of us that run the ls we do have a battery but it's a little tiny battery um yeah. probably don't want to be running no air pump with it so um that's, that's so, kind of, the kind of way i was recommending the anti-fog 
Uh, yeah, well, I, I just wanted to point that out for new racers that are looking for helmets and whatever. Um, you know, the the ones with the with the vent tube are really cool, but um, you know, you don't have the right type of car if you're going to sprint car, right. um, really, to have that that option. So, and you don't need it anyway. It's for pretty late model drivers. So, yeah, um, well, no, because Paul had a snorkel <laughs> on his too, and he was just kind of a melancholy was, mod driver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They are nice, but right. I think uh, logistically, in the spring car, you just you can you can put a battery in that. But uh, I'm gonna let you guys go. My yeah, girls are yeah, uh, we need to get going. Calling, so <laughs> I will uh, catch up with you guys later. All right, yeah, thanks, Paul. Mark, mark the page, and we'll uh, we'll we'll continue on. I I think so, we're uh, actually done with one. that section. The next the next one we go to is. Race receiver details and flags and, and uh, some dramatic fun stuff coming up, folks. Stay tuned. We've we've already covered the how to conduct yourself before, during, and after a race. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, so but we haven't done the race receiver details and the flags and what to expect on the on the first night of the track. The first night of race, and what a, that's a fun topic right there. I can't wait to get to that topic. Because, uh, <laughs> it's uh, what an exciting <laughs> night. I mean, can you remember your first night, Randy? Can you remember the first night that you showed up? I mean, you, we all went to the race a lot, but do you remember the first night you showed up with your own race car and you were going to drive it that you, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, like there was that, that night's different than just your first night being in the pits or whatever. So yep. that's, uh, that's, that's going to be a fun conversation, especially get, get Paul involved. So, but, uh, but with that, um, thank you renegade nation for, uh, for listening. And, uh, you know, if we continue at this pace, the, you know, these, these uh, classes should take till about when we get to go racing. Time. So, so that'll, that'll be good. We won't need any other guests. <laughs> And we got some exciting news from Palmer's Tavern. They're uh, open from 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. for uh, curbside delivery or curbside takeout. And they are slowly in the process during all of this crap that's going on of doing some remodeling. Ooh. They're taking the opportunity to redo the floors and paint things and redo the tables and they're gonna keep the race car pictures, aren't they? Yes. Good. Yes, they're, the race car pictures and memorabilia aren't going anywhere, awesome. but they are doing some beautification things on the inside. And Brooke and Sandy are really, really pleased with that. They are really excited to get back open and let you guys see what they have done on the inside of Palmer's Tavern, and. Uh, like I said, they're open 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. for the curbside during this stay-at-home period. So you get extra special. They were the best burgers in the state of Minnesota. Now they're even extra special. Or, or is that a <laughs> extra word? special. Extra, they're even, e- even more extra special than they ever was before. So, yeah. no, get the Donato burger. You won't, be, you won't regret it. So. That, that's no lie. Uh, so... We also liquid got nitro th- energy. Yes, liquid nitro energy and and their line of energy drinks in the full size sixteen ounce cans or the five ounce energy shooters. <sighs> Help. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give you just a little little advice, Randy, when what? you're bored because I know that you are extremely bored nowadays. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, <laughs> just sitting around doing nothing. Um, 
go to Facebook, uh, Liquid Nitro, uh, Liquid. Liquid Nitro Racing. Yeah. Um, and check out uh, Matt Bull puts on some just really really cool videos really helps pass the time you know such an ambassador to our sport and uh aside from having you know the best energy drinks on the market um that that show the most support not just for sprint cars but for all of racing um you know these guys do a ton for motorsports so go on facebook give their page a like um and try them for yourself i guarantee if you message our page we will find a way to get you to deliver to your house, we'll get you some liquid nitro energy. I can't say that about the Donato burger, but I, I, I couldn't say, but I'm sure that we can figure out a way to get you some liquid nitro energy and some old world beef sticks. So if you can't pass the time happily watching racing videos on uh, liquid nitro racing, uh, uh, Facebook page, eating beef sticks and sucking down some, uh, some energy drink, uh, boy, I feel bad for you. Cause, uh, cause it's, it's, it'll help pass the time. And the beef sticks from Residlo's Old World Meats are available to be shipped to your house. They'll package them up and ship them right to your door. It's like I'm clairvoyant. <laughs> well, you're Claire something. <laughs> all right. And, all you know, right. we've talked about them all show long. Uh, Rob Cahoe Jr. at TCB Speed North, Rob and the guys, down there doing everything that they can to help you get your sprint car ready, whether you need buds welded on, uh, help mounting your seat, help getting your chassis square, uh, any of that type of stuff. Don't be afraid to get a hold of them through their Facebook page at facebook.com backslash TCB Speed North or check out their Facebook page and get their phone number and give them a call. And they will be happy to help you out. They're also a great parts supplier for anything automotive or power sports and it's yep. TCB speed north down in uh yep it's a call even if you just need help and advice uh they love talking about sprint cars and uh you know they're not gonna put the high high pressure sales pitch to you um about well you gotta buy this if you well uh, it's you know they want guys uh in sprint cars going fast having a great time um hey. you know we all know where we came from so <laughs> if you time it right you'll get to talk to sprint car jerry too <laughs> yeah oh then, then you won't get off the phone you won't be able to get off the phone jerry's uh jerry what a wonderful guy i mean that, that's where my race car came from was uh it wasn't tcb speed at that point but it was uh rob was rob's personal car and uh those guys really got me going um really fast and now they've helped me so much um between them and uh and mike my pick guy who's amazing um you know we take that old pile and and uh show race with great with the rest of them so so these guys can help you get going um you don't need a fancy new car um they'll get you they'll find you a car they'll find you a good price car um and uh and they'll get you up to speed so they'll take care of you that's the renegade way that's why they're a member of our family that's why we uh we promote them on the renegades on their podcast and other things <laughs> well yeah all of all of the above we, we it's, I mean, let's be honest. It's not like the sponsors are breaking the door down here. Right. But we also, with that being said, we don't need uh, sponsors. We don't have huge overhead costs. We, So, you know, we promote for those that are part of the Renegade family um, and friendly with, with motorsports the way that we, we believe it. So so these are good folks uh, out there, uh, people. They're, uh, they're, uh, they're people you want to be associated with. We do, too. And... Uh, and thanks so much for uh, giving us your time and listening. Love to get some more questions and uh, feedback. Randy, how can they get a hold of us? 
Well, they can get a hold of us through the website at nrsprints.com, our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash nrsprints. Uh, we are on Twitter and uh, Instagram, and they're all at nrsprints. Um, email Kaylee. Literally. At, you can email Kaylee at info <laughs> at nrsprints. You can email the show directly at ROD podcast at NR Sprints. And <laughs> there's literally a plethora of ways to get a hold of us. <laughs> if you can't if you can't get a hold of us, that's on you. So <laughs> right? and we and and we have I mean hundreds, hundreds of questions Heck. we have gone through through the Facebook page, um, through the series, um, through the years. I mean, so don't be afraid to reach out and ask whatever. We won't make fun of you too bad. Nah, well, maybe. Well, you will. I won't. I read that. So. <laughs> we got to have some sort of disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, once again, it's been a pleasure, my friend. You do an amazing job. Thank you so much for all the help. Thank you, sir. We will, we will catch everybody next time. I was going to say next week, but we can't be guaranteed on that yet. Where we let's, get uh, into the just so. details of the receiver, how it works, what the flags mean, and more as Renegades University continues. This is Randy for the Renegades on Dirt podcast. We're out of here. Later. I'll stand tall when there's hell to pay.